The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by Kingsters for Kingsters, Poly, Queer, Transfolk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. In its fourth season of presenting personalities as their authentic selves, this is What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky, the official podcast of FetishCon. It's an intimate conversation with people inside the kink and fetish worlds, as well as other educators and sex-positive personalities sharing their stories of what makes them who they are. And now, here is your host, John, or as they are known in the kink and fetish communities. Hi there, Katsu. Hello there, Nookie, and to our listeners, welcome. We are counting down the days now before we get to episode number 200 with the amazing Mistress Stephanie Locke. And we're adding some amazing legends to the lineup as well, as the next two shows will feature Chicago Mistress Simone and Mistress Porcelain Midnight. We really look forward to sharing those with you. And now to today's topic. Every now and then I will come across a post that will catch my eye, usually for the right reasons, but sometimes they catch my eye because I just can't believe what I'm seeing. And here's the post that I saw. I experience anti-sex worker discrimination all too often in kink spaces. That is a surprising thing to hear. We're going to talk about that with a Hudson Valley pro-dom that absolutely understands both sides of things as the owner of a kink space. Ada Vaughn was born on the vernal equinox, and she's a powerful force of nature as both woman and fetish mistress. An extensive background in theater has honed her natural presence and brings a dynamic flow to her scenes. Sensual and versatile, this German Jewish has a high standards and accepts no nonsense. She holds space for people to be vulnerable and explore desires or curiosities they do not likely reveal to the world at large. She gives fellow adventurers judgment-free, safety, and psych-informed opportunities to allow their deeper selves time at the surface. Miss Ada Vaughn on what women and other wonderful humans want. What was the genesis of what made our guests who they are? We begin that journey with the first five. Five questions about firsts. First time you realized that the Twitter handle Top Dom was available, and what was your reaction when you saw it? <laughs> that is a great one. I honestly, you know, I it must have been 2016. 
Um, so it's not like kink and doms were new on Twitter at that point by any means, but I certainly was. And I, I knew I didn't have like my name totally set yet. I was still very much figuring things out. And I really couldn't believe it when it popped up. I was like, there's no way that this hasn't been taken, but I'll just try it. You know, I'm a bit of an SEO nerd kind of thing. So uh, it really, it blew my mind. There were similar ones, you know, but they were more uh, groups as it were, not like personal accounts rec uh, representing individual doms. Uh, so I felt quite comfortable that it was up for grabs. It was very exciting. <laughs> First time you realized that Less Dead Studio was really your home. Mm. You know, I feel that the world of the Less Dead has been my home for a long time. Um, and being able to create a space, you know, where I could embody that um, and I could sort of curate that for others was really incredible. And I think, you know, I was still very nervous when we were looking at the space in terms of moving in. I had my contractor sub go with me, very lucky to have a very good roster. And I was nervous, but excited. And I don't know if I could say that it was like, okay, this is home quite yet then, you know, I think once everything was really kind of installed and once I had had not even sessions, but once I had sat in there and had some good conversations with people and some good connections with people that I love um, and it felt, safe and lovely. And I think that was when it really clicked. I probably asked you the first time you were on this show about when you had your first inkling of knowing that you were kinky. So when was the first time when you could look yourself in the mirror and go, I am the kinky person that I deserve to be? Ooh. Mm. I feel there's layers to that. You know, I feel on some level, I'm still approaching that point. You know, it's probably more recent than you would have thought in just that I'm encompassing more of my kinkiness still throughout my life. I, uh, you know, I definitely had a moment of like, giving myself permission to do this fully and really dive in. Um, and that was very powerful, but I think even more recently learning to be vulnerable um, in more ways and to explore things both, you know, emotionally in life, but also sexually um, in the kink world. And I feel like that's really been more what I feel I deserve been not necessarily more fulfilling, but very, yeah, very holistic, very encompassing. Um, it's been lovely. Thanks for asking. I saw this picture of you the other day with a sub 
on a queening bench and you just had this <laughs> big smile on your face. <laughs> and while I know what happens with queening benches, the connection that I saw in that picture made me feel so much better than anything I would have imagined happening before or after that. Hmm. When was the first time that you ever felt that sort of connection with someone who came in to see you? And do you remember what the circumstances were? Oh, boy. Um, it's been a little while. Um, I know the first guy who I saw privately and like kind of got me going down the path a little more was very intellectual. He liked to talk through everything, you know, so it was definitely a learning experience, but I can't I can't give him the credit for, you know, as the answer to your question. Um, I think that would be probably maybe like a few months down the line after that. So still about six or seven years ago. Um, there was someone who came to me and he like, sort of knew what he liked you know but I he was willing to give me some level of control and uh poetic license if you will ar artistic license um and it was you know the part I really remember was when I had him tied up and we had the spreader bar down at his feet and all these things that he had asked for but what I decided to do was to repeatedly crack my whip next to and near his head uh and you know I didn't rush wasn't too frequent or anything but it was enough that he ended up calling his safe word without even ever touching him and that was a very powerful moment for me in terms of recognizing the energetic, the mental, every kind of connection that goes on with what we do. Amazing story. <laughs> First time you opened up your play space as a kink space for others to enjoy. And do you remember the reactions of the other people coming in? Oh, what a great question. Um, yeah, that would have been when I was still working in the second bedroom of a house that I was renting. And it was really friends at first who I knew in the industry and in the community. And they came by and were so complimentary and excited, even though it was just this small little bedroom, I swear. It was just like 10 by 12 feet or something, you know, nothing crazy at all. Um, and they were so generous in their excitement with me and sharing my joy and, um, and, and validating what had, you know, come to life there. Um, that was, that really meant a lot. It really meant a lot. Um, and it's funny that I think that place really had an impact on a lot of people. A couple of my subs even said when I 
when we moved into what is now Lestead Studio, they're like, you know, like I'm really happy for you. And of course I'm proud that the empire's growing and everything, but I'm kind of gonna miss the little red house. <laughs> Which I thought was very sweet, you know, even though it wasn't much, it was uh, a little a little labor of love that, that was appreciated. The genesis of the story is always so interesting. And when we mm -hmm. come back on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky, with special thanks to kinkstermerch.com, we're going to talk about a type of discrimination that I never thought I would ever see. But unfortunately, our guest has seen it. We'll talk about it when we come back. For more than three years, we have presented this podcast as a labor of love without paid advertisers. We do this as we want to give back to this wonderful community for all the gifts it has given us. If you want to financially support our efforts, please visit bit.ly slash thanks catsuit and give what you can to help Catsuit travel, teach, and bring you great in-person interviews. We will give you that address again later in the show. Now, here are some words from Catsuit's friends about things you should know about. Hi, Catsuit. Thank you so much for sharing your wholesome space with the team of Fetish Bacchanal. Sparkle the Brat and I, Goddess Alanis, will be hosting a three-day Kingfield retreat in Jamaica, June 28th to the 30th, 2024. This is going to be an escape of a property with a cleansing mineral cave right in the heart of it. Follow at Fetish Bacchanal on Twitter for more updates on ticket links, vending, performances, and more. We are proud to be the official podcast of FetishCon, and we want you to join us in St. Petersburg, Florida, August 8th through 11th, 2024. The trade show brings together models, producers, industry leaders, and fans from all over the world and brings you great classes in kink or how to become an industry professional. You can get all the details at fetishcon.com. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others? Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. Empowering designs for fetish models, doms, sex workers, or anyone else who needs to be seen as their authentic selves. Visit the What Women Want podcast store at Kingster Merch on Etsy to see those and other wonderful designs for all kinksters. Now, back to the show and more with our guests on what women and other wonderful humans want. Thank you, Noki. Welcome back to the program. Happy to be joined by Miss Ada Vaughn from Poughkeepsie up in the Hudson Valley of New York, where she runs a place called Less Dead Studio, which is a photography studio and also a kink space that she opens to the public as a way of building community. And 
I was shocked when I came across a FET posting that you had talking about a certain kind of discrimination that was going on within your kink space. So what I'd like you to do is if you could read that post for me, and then we'll talk about it. Absolutely. And thank you so much for uh, drawing attention to this and talking with me about it. You know, your surprise is really, uh, I don't know, it almost surprises me. And yet I know I shouldn't be, you know, um, so I'm glad that that we can make more people aware. The the, the original, the photo that I posted was um, about the new non-discrimination policy that I put up for the studio because we had people who were trying to get vetted to come to our events. And I found that their values didn't exactly align with ours. And so I made sure to include that we also do not discriminate, of course, on things like abilities, gender expression, skin tone, spiritual beliefs, any of that. We also don't discriminate on occupation, which includes pro-dominance and submissives and other sex workers. So I did feel the need to say more. And that was, this is the post that you, of which you speak. Um, I experience anti-sex worker discrimination all too often in kink spaces. Many lifestylers seem to take pride in the fact that they don't pay for BDSM interactions and use this as an excuse to talk down to and about professional providers. My dungeon's name, Less Dead, is in reference to a law enforcement term excusing lack of attention given to crimes committed against sex workers and other minorities. Stigma kills. Pro-doms provide wonderful resources for the community, both on individual and larger levels. You don't get to take advantage of what their hard work has created while disparaging them. You don't get to attend events in my space while giving side eye to the career that built it. You don't get to stand under the less dead banner while pushing harmful narratives and shit talking the lives of those it stands for. Check your prejudice. Sex workers deserve community and spaces free from intolerant, holier-than-thou nonsense. And you are not welcome in my dungeon if you disagree. Again, shock <laughs> to me. And I know that there are situations in nearly every public space but when you are talking about a space that has been built by a pro-dom, a space that has been built on not only their hard work and their effort, but also their knowledge, mm. to walk into a space like that is a privilege. It's the way I feel when I walk into femdom parties or when I walk into Wicked Eden, which is Alexandra Snow's dungeon, which she opens up to the public, despite the fact that she's spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, she still welcomes people in there. Absolutely. I remember the original Red Door dungeon up in Cleveland, where it felt like an honor to be able to go in there and be able to play on the things that we could only dream of playing on. 
And to hear that people would give you a side eye for giving them the opportunity is not only sickening, but it makes you wonder about the tolerance and the character of some people who claim to love this community. Absolutely. You know, unfortunately, it's it's been around uh, my whole time that I've been in this sphere. I came up in professional provider spaces in New York City. Um, and I've, you know, I have a family member who's also in the scene. And even they felt like very comfortable telling me how they felt about, you know, what I did within the scene and basically just acting morally superior um, when I don't find that creating division within any community is helpful. You know, groups against groups is why we have most of the horrifying things that are happening in this world is when people in power or even the people ourselves pit each other against each other. Um, you can tell him I get a little worked up over this, you know, it just seems ignorant. It seems insidious. Um, it perpetuates real issues in this, in this world, you know, if, what do we have in this world except each other? And if we can't, can't stand together unified as a kinky, you know, safe BDSM space, a community that is tolerant and that is not judgmental of other people and how they live their lives, how, how can we claim to be any of that if people are, are creating these sects and divisions within and how are we supposed to accomplish anything in the larger world? Um, it's like within the sex industry, we have what I've heard referred to as the horiarchy. You know, certain jobs will, uh, you know, tend to be classified as like cooler or more superior than others. You know, being a, a, a street level sex worker is lower in quality or whatever else, you know, um, than being a high-end escort or a cam girl or a dancer. And you'll find people arguing about these different ranks when really the outside world sees us all the same. You know, we're all turning tricks for a buck. And if we want people to pay for their porn, if we want people to respect sex workers and kinky people and alternative lifestyles, if those are our goals, I don't see how quibbling and assigning insidious intent to a whole group of people is helpful at all, just ignoring all the obvious reasons of why it's so silly, you know, and it really struck me just the cognitive dissonance that someone must have in the, in the incident that happened that precluded by posting this. Someone blocked the studio account from a regional group that they ran and then tried to buy a ticket to attend one of our events. So not only are you not recognizing that this is a space by a pro dom, you know, this was built 
by my career as a pro dom. I, if I had a nine to five, if I was working some other job for someone else, I wouldn't have the time to do all of this, you know? Um, and to take that resource away from your community, but then try to take advantage of it yourself. This is just, it's a sort of entitled attitude that I don't think serves anyone. And I'm grateful that they were honest about who they were when they when they screened for their tickets because it's uh you know it's not something I feel comfortable having in my space and I want people to feel comfortable there um and if it takes educating a little bit and raising some awareness then that's that's what we have to do for the most part people have been very receptive and supportive I am glad to say let's put this in some very realistic perspective when Corona happened, mm. and thank God I don't hear that word every day anymore. I know. And it's so beautiful. <laughs> but when it happened, it closed a large part of our community. Mm -hmm. In Ohio, I can think of the Columbus space, which was a beloved space closing. Mm -hmm. I think of how hard the two dungeons up in Cleveland had to work to stay open. The public space here in Cincinnati ended up being in a guy's house. And as that moved forward and people did start opening up new places, that's when the drama began down here. Because somebody hmm. opened up this beautiful new place and then suddenly... There's a zoning issue about the new place the day that they open. Oh, dear. Yeah. And while those aren't operated by professionals, with the exception of the one up in Cleveland, which was the red door that actually moved, mm. we are lucky to have any kink space available to us now. Absolutely. So I don't understand why anyone would be upset about somebody opening up a new kink space or continuing to have one open when it gives you opportunities to do what you love. What's so wrong with that? <laughs> I really wonder the same thing. I really do. It's. I feel like these people are taking away opportunities from themselves by generalizing these ideas that they have that all pro providers are predatory you know they must be they're just after your money and it can't be real intimacy if you're paying for it or whatever else but we do other things all the time that I still have immense value whether or not you pay for it, you know, someone lovingly cooking you a meal at home, of course, touches your heart and tastes great. But going and getting a meal cooked by a professional chef is also a wonderful experience. You know, it's something altogether different. And you can experience things in a different way when you're working with someone you don't necessarily have all that history with, you know, it can be beneficial to people. And then also just 
in the day-to-day of it, I've had local guys who won't come to play parties because they have to pay for admission, you know, and uh, yeah. So the fact that even though there will be, you know, there will be pro-doms there that they could play with, there will be other people there they might make connections with. Um, Apparently, because it's transactional in that way, uh, it's not even worth exploring to them. They don't even give themselves a chance to go and make a personal connection with someone. It just seems so silly. Do these people go to classes or sporting events or movies or anything? (laughs) Exactly. You would think that connection would be pretty obvious. The entitlement behind that, that's going to get me up on my old man soapbox. (laughs) Please. These kids kids think they're entitled to everything and, you know. But the fact is, talking about your space in particular, to be able to walk into a space that's as well as equipped as that is, being surrounded by the knowledge, because I... As a host, I would guess that you are the person who is not only welcoming people there, but making sure that they know how to use everything. And you are an amazing resource that most spaces would absolutely die to have. And you're opening your space to allow them to experience and get that knowledge. Yeah, thank you for saying so. You know, that's how I think of it. Um, That's why it really struck me. Someone had, you know, they said, like, there's no reason to engage with pro-doms. I'm like, that's just so very short-sighted. You know, there's professionals do so much for this community. And exactly, it's really, you know, at least in New York, the kink and BDSM scene really comes out of, it has deep roots in the gay leather community. And a big ethos in leather families is taking care of each other and sharing knowledge. You know, there's a lot of oral tradition. You pass down techniques and tips for physical, mental, emotional, spiritual safety. Um, And I know a lot of professionals who started out in that space. I know a lot of wonderful lifestylers who did too, as well. You know, there's amazing people on both sides. I'm not, um, (laughs) you know, discriminating Mm -hmm. in any way like that, not trying to generalize. Um, But I just, I find even my friends who create those spaces will limit it because they don't feel safe inviting everyone. A friend of mine who was a pro-dom in New York City hosted salons where we could go and talk whether we would have a topic or just hanging out and exchanging you know information and connecting um but it was for pros only you -hmm. know we do need to have our own spaces and honestly i have always felt safer in pro spaces than i have in lifestyle ones Mm -hmm. um you know, BDSM and kink is all about consent and boundaries and negotiations. And yet, I must say, I have heard many more outcries about consent violations from lifestyle groups and parties than I have about professionals. 
you know, and I'll just leave it at that. I think that there is really a more, even more explicit expectations and boundaries. Um, and people know they can't get away with things in the shadows as much. Is there a socioeconomic divide there? People with lifestyle versus pros? Yeah, like people who could afford to go see a pro versus someone who just can't put that into their budget? Mm. Well, I do see a whole range of people. Some have to save up. You know, it is a luxury experience to see a professional and partake in that time, obviously. But I think you're right that there is some learned behavior among people of lower socioeconomic uh, means, like, you know, not the wealthy, that there's some learned behavior that spending money devalues experience somehow. Um, and it's it's as if they can't, you know, enjoy the fantasy if it's transactional, they can't believe that you can still enjoy real intimacy in that moment. They can't let go and they can't believe that it could be genuine if you are paying or being paid for it, um, which I don't find to be true. I have amazing connections with all sorts of people, whether they're paying me or not, you know? Um, but I do think Definitely, money definitely is a touchy issue with a lot of people. Um, it's really interesting because someone was asking me if it's kind of similar to like the porn is free type people, you know, that line of thinking where it's like, I shouldn't have to pay for it. But I feel that there's something backwards in that because all porn is high performance art unless you're paying a small amateur creator, you know, and no one questions the fantasy of that. They're just happy that they can go online and see a video for free. But once their personal lives are brought into it, then it has to be more authentic if they're paying for it. Um, and I understand that, of course, on a human level, but I also, it just seems indicative to me of someone who is very, they're very stuck in their line of thinking. Perhaps, you know, I, it's definitely some sort of learned behavior there um, that some people are willing to examine and some are not. Because I am not as surprising as many people might find this, because I am not a big purchaser of porn because the mindset does everything for me to turn me on as opposed to a visual. Right. Sure, a nice visual is nice, but it's not what I need. I need the mental aspect of things. I'm the same way, yeah. And we uh, have been privileged to have people who are content creators on the program, explaining to people that it's not just the 20 minutes they're doing whatever they're doing. It's the editing, it's the emails, it's 
putting everything together. It's like the days back when I was a Emmy award winning television producer and people would go, Hey, can you shoot my wedding? Mm -hmm. Exact same thing. Mm -hmm. And so I was, uh, I was having a conversation with Jim Weathers and with Skylar West about this practically movie-like project that they were doing. And we talked about it on the show. And to look at it, to call it porn would be an insult to it because it felt like a movie that took that much thought process but if you watch it strictly as porn you're like yeah skylar's very attractive Ooh, really nice toys oh that's fun but the fact is they treated it like a movie yeah. and you're not going to go to your local movie place and go i i can come in you can't even pull it up on your YouTube without having either an ad or have to pay for it. Nothing is free. And what people don't understand about Pornhub or X Hamster or so many of these different places is for the most part, they are just taking things and not going into the amazing work that has been done. A hundred percent. And I have been privileged since the last time we talked, I actually have been a part of content creation as a character within it. One time I was a villain in a superheroine video with the Ultra Girl series to the point where I'm part of the Ultra Girl universe now. That is amazing. How fun. I went down and I'm going to be putting these scenes together. It's taking me a while to do it, but I have done a number of scenes which were content creation for the people who were, uh, who had the studio, but I'm also looking at it at, as trying to see what a scene is like from the two sides of things and narrate it from both sides. And they have given me the honor of coming into their place and showing me what goes into content creation. And it is hard work. It's a lot. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. And I don't think audiences realize just how hard work it is. They think it's 20 minutes when they push a button. Yeah. I got on my soapbox, I guess. <laughs> I love it. You know, I love that soapbox. You look so good standing up there. <laughs> <laughs> and, this, and the same thing can be said for uh, a professional dominatrix, except that is a live service to a one-on-one. -on -one, uh, it can sometimes be two-on-one, -on -one, whatever, but a one-on-one -on -one connection where their sole focus for that time and all the planning time before and all the aftercare afterwards is on one person. Mm -hmm. Think of therapists, think of doctors, although doctors, uh, they're 15 minutes and they're out the door. I mean, you get more dedicated care from a professional dominatrix than you ever will from a doctor. <laughs> and that's just my, that's my crazy mind going. Snaps at, to uh, that. <laughs> But if you think of 
the personal service that they are doing for you. And it is a very personal service because you are either asking for things that are your fantasies or trusting yourself to go in a, on a journey that they take you on. I think it's more fun doing it the second way. <laughs> that that is especially they're writing a book for you they're producing a movie for you and think about the writer strike that we just came off of think about the actor strike we just came off of because that is all personal time and why people in the business of pleasure don't understand that receiving pleasure is a beautiful thing. I could, uh, obviously I could go on like this for days, but my entire reasoning for doing this podcast is to humanize and show the hard work, dedication, and most of all, the soul of so many people in this community that while I may never be able to save up enough for a professional Dom session, I will do my level best to make sure that I paint the most beautiful picture in the world for others to do it. And you do a wonderful job. I really thank you for, you know, giving such a, representing us so well and giving such lovely voices amplification. Um, it, it's really necessary, you know, it all ties back to that that stigma that we were talking about earlier too. Um, I think you're right, people write it off. They don't think about how much goes into it. You know, I love how you put it there. They're writing you a book. They're producing you a whole movie that really, it's what it feels like, you know, there's, they have equipment and plans and knowledge and training and, all these, and then there's the cleaning and the aftercare and, you know, it's, and also to carry that mantle throughout the world is not an easy task. There is a lot that we deal with at all levels of sex work. Um, and occupation, occupational discrimination is what we've been fighting with the banks when we have MasterCard and Visa and payment processors putting limits on what art we can make, what scenes we can do and show to other people and share joy in um, or pleasure in some form, you know. Um, and so it's just always disheartening to see it trickling down into the local. It's uh, it's such a pervasive thing. And I, I guess this will be my little soapbox moment. You know, I try not to harp on it too often, but people do ask sometimes. And yes, less dead is an actual law enforcement term, along with NHI, no human involved. Like, that's not some shit they made up for a plot point on succession. That is absolutely real. Um, and it's why serial killers will get will target sex workers because they believe they can get away with it and that they don't have people who care about them and communities that support them. And we're here to say that that's not true. You know, we are all stronger together. 
and we need to support each other. And if you're going to claim to be tolerant and non-judgmental by being in the BDSM community and expecting others to, to give you the same grace, it, it really only seems fair in a way, which sounds very simplistic, but I think you know what I mean. What was the conversation you had with a person when you discovered that they bought a ticket? <laughs> um, well, <laughs> I had already previously messaged and just very professionally said, you know, I don't think our values align because I didn't have to ask to get any of this information. It was listed right on their bio. Their bias and their prejudice was just screaming at me in the face. Um, and so I found out they had bought a ticket. And I have to say I was absolutely baffled. Um, but he even said in his screening, like, I will take a refund if like you don't think that it'll work or whatever or something to that effect and so I did you know I just didn't want to really dive into it more he had already lashed out at me on FetLife um and was clearly not open to considering other points of view or listening to what this person had to say, even though I was facilitating an event that he felt worth uh, attending and being a part of. So it's, <laughs> honestly, I just kept it very brief. I was like, you know, we had this discussion earlier, basically. So I've refunded, your, like your bio hasn't changed. So yeah, I'm refunding your ticket. You know, as much as I'd like to try to raise awareness and educate people, I I trust that your listeners are open-minded, you know, lovely, intelligent folks um, who can hear different perspectives and things like that. And sometimes it is not worth the energy to try and get people on your side. So I'm just grateful that he made himself known uh, and it didn't become more of an issue, you know, just trying to keep everyone safe. Do you suppose that fear goes into most of criticism? And here's the way I'll put it. When I train people who have to deal with customers on a daily basis, I say to our representatives. If you replace the word angry with the word scared and see how you treat them then, you are giving a true empathetic feeling towards every single customer that calls in. That's great. I think that when people want to shut down other voices in anger, they are scared of what the other person might say because they it might open up their mind 
to something different. That's called politics. <laughs> but what really makes things scary is when people will share themselves and their work and their view and somebody comes in and immediately denies them the opportunity for those views, which apparently it sounds like this person did. Mm -hmm. It leads to this circle that I'm really scared about here in Ohio, because quite frankly, we stood up and we said, women deserve rights to their own body. Yep. And we voted it through in a big number. Yes, you did. And what is the GOP legislature doing now? Trying to figure out how to silence the judges so they can't make it happen. Yeah. What is, does the religious part make them scared that, oh my God, if we allow somebody who might think differently from us actually do something? And I realize it's not that simple because people have their different beliefs on when life starts and things like that. But when you're talking true human nature, I don't want anybody telling me what I can do with my body. Mm -hmm. And there are places where if I go to Florida and wear this outfit in public. Forget it. <laughs> and uh. isn't that sad? Because what am I doing to anybody? Right. Nothing. And so we live in a very strange time, my friend. <laughs> you can say and, that again. <laughs> and when I saw this, I, well, first of all, you know me, I just wanted to come and hug you. Mm. But the other part of it is that we have to bring awareness to this because there are people within our community who think that their word is more authoritative and more knowledgeable than people who have been in the community for years. Right. The leaders that say, we're the leaders of the community, yet the true leaders are the ones that don't say a damn word and just do it. Exactly. The king doesn't have to say he's the king. You know, that's why I absolutely love my role with my queen. I am her knight. I am not a king. <laughs> I will stand beside her always. I will stand behind her when she asks. I will stand in front of her when she asks. But she doesn't need me to tell her where to go. Right. I love that so much. And I think we need a lot more knights and a lot less kings. I would agree. I would absolutely agree with that. A hundred percent. We're going to take a break here because this has been some really heavy stuff. And if you've been our listener and listened all the way through it, thank you so much for not only giving us your, your thoughtful mindfulness, just thank you for being a part of what makes our community so great is that we care. We're going to take a quick break and we will be back with Miss Ada Vaughn on the other side. 
Connect with the show on social media. Follow us on Twitter, because that's what we still call it, at WhatWomenWantP1. On Instagram, as long as they don't suspend us, at WhatWomenWantPodcast. On Pinkster, at WhatWomenWantPodcast. And on FetLife as www.podcast. And if you want to follow our host, that's easy, as they are Hi There Catsuit on all platforms. We'd love to hear from you, so be sure to reach out. Now, some more words with Catsuit's friends. Welcome to the Yoniverse. I'm Scarlett. And I'm Anya. The Flaming Yoni podcast is a celebration of the beautiful and unique expressions of female sexuality. From asexual to megasexual, from lifelong monogamy to relationship anarchy, from deep spiritual bonds of sacred union to spur of the moment flames. It is all infused with Yoni energy. Search for the Flaming Yoni on your favorite podcast platform. You will not leave the same as when you came. Sexual Equanimity by Podophilius. This is a wonderful story of overcoming adversity in which the character's story begins in a world of chaos and despair and ends in a joyous sense of mental release and understanding. Sexual equanimity is a must-read for anyone struggling with feelings of shame and guilt as a result of their wants, needs and desires. Zane's story will resonate with many submissive males whose stories echo Zane's own and provides great insight and clarity. Make sure this book is on your reading list and ensure you don't miss out. It may just change your life. An enthralling read that combines mental health and healing with kink. The ultimate submissive man's bible. Also, don't forget to give our Rumble channel a follow at Chasm Podcast. Yo, this is Podophilius. Sexual Equanimity is now available to purchase as a paperback and a ebook on my website, which is www.podophilius.com. Alternatively, you can purchase the Kindle edition, which can be found on Goodreads and Amazon. Are you curious about kink but don't know where to begin? Or maybe you have a friend who, while they appreciate your interest in BDSM, they don't really understand what it's all about. You should check out Kink for the Curious. It's a fun little activity book with color pages and word finds, lots of silly puns, (laughs) Uh, but lots of solid BDSM and kink information written by somebody who's been in the business for almost 30 years. King for the Curious, a BDSM activity book for beginners, written by Princess Natasha Strange, that's me, <laughs> is available on Amazon. Go get it now. Craptaculous boundaries are not your fault. The more severe the dysfunction you experienced growing up, the more difficult boundaries are for you. David W. Earl. Or as Ms. Titania said, nobody ever warns you that when you come from dysfunction, a healthy mind can feel unsafe. We spend our lives being controlled by others, so we learn to control others. Or we allow others to control us in exchange for love. Learn more about Take No Shit 
build better relationships through discovering, creating, and maintaining healthy boundaries in three, sometimes five simple steps at my.curiouser.life. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others? Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. Thank you for joining us. Please show your support of the show by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform and leaving us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our video channel at youtube.com slash at what women want podcast. And to financially support the show, which we greatly appreciate, please visit bit.ly slash thanks catsuit and give what you can to help catsuit travel teach, and bring you great in-person interviews. We very much appreciate it. This is Milky, and Dating Kinky has brought you this podcast since day one. We believe in great education for our community, and this is just one of our efforts. Please join us at Dating Kinky, built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla, and it's free. Welcome back to the program. I am John, also known as Hi There Catsuit, joined once again after a couple of years by Miss Ada Vaughn, who is the proprietor of the Less Dead Studio. That sounds very hoity-toity, doesn't it? It does indeed. Thank you. I'll have to keep that one. Since we last talked, you've started having some really fun events at your studio. Tell me about those. Absolutely. I think the last time, now that you say a couple years, I think the last time we spoke, I had kind of just gotten the keys for the studio and it was still a very baby idea and a hope for, uh, to enable community kink, you know, um, and it has since grown. It took about six months to five to six months to get it up to where, I wasn't sessioning in a construction zone, but my <laughs> regulars were very understanding. So grateful to all of them for playing along, you know, led to some fun role plays, you know. <laughs> Caution tape mummification. I get that. You get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we had our first uh, holiday party it was co-hosted by my good friend Peg Stris um, in... Uh, last December was when, you know, I had been working there and had some friends renting and coming by, but it was, you know, I was still working full time as a dom, still doing, having a busy life otherwise. Um, and I really found some support, you know, from my community and great friends of mine who were there to bounce ideas around and really teach me a lot of things and collaborate and allow me to learn from them. And it really meant so, so much. And we've now had about a whole year of fantastic happenings. And I couldn't be more grateful to 
the local community as well as those further abroad who have been supporting us both on an individual level by supporting me in the background and giving me little pep talks when I need it, as well as, you know, coming through and helping set things up and all of that. And we're lucky to have a really great crew that has found us. It's been slow organic growth. You know, I wasn't, uh, honestly, I kind of foresaw some little, uh, whatever you want to call it, hissy fits, hiccups happening along the way once we did kind of open up more to the larger community. And I'm grateful that it's taken this long, really, for something to actually happen. You know, gave me a good opportunity to post up that non-discrimination policy, get that right out there. Um, you know, I'm still learning as I go. Like you said, it is kind of a one-woman operation over here, you know, and though I have Team Less Dead to help me in many ways, all of the back-end stuff, the marketing, the planning, the newsletters and communications, all of that is all me. So everyone's patience and support has really, really meant so much. And we have finally like a crew of local folks who will come to most of our events and chat in our discord and have gotten to know each other and built relationships through meeting at the studio, which is just more than I could have hoped for. That is exactly what I hoped to happen, uh, you know, is to enable these beautiful connections that really saved me in a time when I needed it. I think we spoke before about how the community really meant so much to my well-being. Uh, and it is so, so beautiful to have that expanding. And we try and give back. We do a lot of events that center well-being and healing as well. Our most recent was yesterday, actually. We have Reverend Rucifer in the area, and she does work with energetic healing. And we had a taste of her Reiki bondage course, which is a modality that she founded and it was pretty transformative for a lot of people. We had a food eroticism for pleasure and healing course after that. Um, a lovely, the lovely Sev of Cosina X came up from all the way from New Jersey to present with us about aphrodisiacs and food play and how we can use it to connect with ourselves and our sensuality. And it really had a lot of great, great discussions. So, of course, the rope classes are always very popular. We'll definitely be having more of those upcoming. We like to host free community events every now and then. We've had a couple of very successful movie nights that were a lot of fun. A uh, very kind uh, patron donated a, like, 10-foot projection screen and a little projection guy. I can just plug right into my MacBook. So we've watched Bound from 1966. Mm -hmm. You must have seen that. Mm -hmm. uh, and The Birdcage, because it's a personal favorite, a classic. It was Pride Month, you know. <laughs> um, and we also did a game night where we played a tabletop role-playing game, kind of D&D-esque, you know, mm -hmm. but there were no dice, but we had like a game master and everything. So game night in the dungeon, like how could that not sound fun, if you ask me? And we have coming up our holiday party, you know, we will be doing our, I guess technically our second annual now, have our holiday party and Lucifer uh, will be co-hosting with me. We're doing a lovely grounding circle and intention setting when we all 
get there and have settled in a bit. We might have some performances throughout the night and different exciting things. So I do hope that people might be able to join us. It's a great time of, well, it might be a little chilly by then. I guess right now <laughs> while we're talking is really a great time of year to come see the Hudson Valley, but I promise we'll make it worth your while. <laughs> Um, and yeah, hopefully we'll do some collaborative events in the city in the coming year. I have a location that is willing to work with us down there. Um, so I think that could be very exciting down in New York City, spread the gospel a little bit. But mostly it has been just a homegrown labor of love um, that I'm so, so grateful to have so many wonderful people supporting. You know, it's been a lot of fun along the way. <laughs> A very esoteric final question for you. Oh, of course. Compare and contrast <laughs> the joy you get from a wonderful session with the joy you get from hosting a wonderful event. That's a great question. I, I would say say that I get more of a top high with a one-to-one -one where I feel very in my power. I feel, you know, closer to an infinite being, you could say. It's a time when I'm prone to take more selfies. I'm really feeling myself, you know, um, but with an event, it is refreshing in a whole different way. It feels more expansive in a way. It's not that I'm radiating power. It is that I am surrounded by joy and gratitude and, you know, great vibes kind of that I can take in. Um, and it really just, means so much I you know people keep like thanking me at this point they keep saying how great the space is and how glad they are it's here and like that's really what I want to hear I have an easier time accepting that than people saying like you're doing a great job or like you set this mm -hmm. up I'm like no no this is for us you know and it it really refreshes me in a whole other way that has really been like mindset shifting for me you know for a while I was really stuck in the business the numbers side of it you know the studio has to make this much money if it's going to be self-sustaining I need to get this many renters or whatever else but leaning into it as the community vehicle that it was intended to be has brought so much more abundance than stressing over the numbers ever could you know, just trusting the people around me and accepting their friendship and love and support. Uh, you know, we're going to be, the sum is so much greater than all of its parts. I know that the situation that we talked about was difficult, but I am so glad in a way that it enabled us to reconnect and to have another conversation because you are such a delightful person. I love talking to you. Uh, I feel the energy and beautiful connection through the screen. And uh, I just wish you nothing but the best. 
Thank you so much, Joan. I can really feel that from you. And it really means so much. Every time I see you, like, wow, I almost forgot just what a wonderful human you are. <laughs> Fascinating subject, talking with the top dom. And I love the story of how she got that Twitter handle. That must have been definitely being there at the right place at the right time. And I hope some people will be able to get something out of this particular episode because that's a trend we definitely need to find an answer to very quickly. Have you missed an episode or want to catch up on our nearly 200 episodes? All our shows are available in the archives. And here's what's coming up on the next edition of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. I finally get to talk to my friend from FetishCon. Autumn Bodell will join me, and she'll talk about her trips all across the country as a fetish model and her adventures in life. Autumn Bodell, next time on the program. New shows premiere every Tuesday on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. Our countdown to episode number 200 continues as we have that powerhouse lineup coming up at the end of the year and going into 2024. On December 19th, it will be the legendary Mistress Stephanie Locke sharing stories of Harmony Days and the history of being a Dom throughout all these decades. Then on December 26, it's a visit with someone we've visited with before and absolutely love talking to. She is the main Dom in the Midwest. She is Chicago Mistress Simone. And then on January 2nd, she is everything she's imagined to be and we can't wait to talk to her. From Los Angeles, Mistress Porcelain Midnight. All those coming up on some very special editions of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky, with special thanks to kinkstermerch.com. I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time, and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. Join us on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1, on Instagram at WhatWomenWantPodcast, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla, and it's free. 